Welcome to another edition of Focus on the Kingdom. This is Anthony Buzzard inviting you again to search the Scriptures with us as we continue to investigate Jesus' favorite topic, the Kingdom of God. Have you ever stopped to ask yourself the question, what is the Christian gospel? What did Jesus challenge his audiences to believe as the gospel or good news? What did Jesus mean by the phrase so often found on his lips, the kingdom of God? When did you last hear a preacher or evangelist invite us to repent and believe in the gospel about the kingdom of God? As Jesus invited his audiences to do, we find this in Mark chapter 1, verses 14 and 15. Right from the very outset of his ministry, Jesus called upon people to repent and believe in God's gospel, what he called the gospel about the kingdom of God. That's the way Jesus always opened his evangelistic appeal. It was an appeal not to believe in himself initially, but to believe in the message that he brought from God, the gospel or good news about the kingdom of God. Let me suggest to you that there are simple rules of interpretation which we must apply to our Bible reading. These are the sort of rules that we apply instinctively to the reading of any kind of document. Sometimes people forget that when they're reading the Bible, the basic laws of communication apply just as much to the biblical documents as they would to any other document. There are certain simple, basic rules of interpretation which govern all written and spoken material. One of the most fundamental of these laws or principles which under normal circumstances we all apply unconsciously, is what we might call the law of synonymous terms. For example, a narrative which introduces the word automobile may continue to refer to the same subject under varied terms. Perhaps the word car will appear, or vehicle, but we have no difficulty at all in understanding that car and vehicle and automobile all refer to the same thing. We're not in any way confused by an interchange of different synonymous terms. A synonymous expression may, may be simply an abbreviation. For example, the United States of America may appear as the United States, or even the States, or perhaps the U.S., or perhaps simply America. No one is in any way disturbed by such use of alternative terms for the same thing. Another example a letter which introduced its subject as the marriage of Tom and Anne will later refer to the same event as the marriage. These are just plain, easy facts about all communication. What if I say, for example, tomorrow's my birthday, and when we go on our picnic, you have no difficulty at all in seeing that the picnic is the birthday outing. Now, when it comes to the Bible, many seem to forget these primary laws of language. And then an amazing miracle of misunderstanding can occur, affecting the very heart of the Christian faith. Readers of Scripture sometimes seem unable to make the connection between different expressions for the same object. This failure to connect synonymous terms causes them to lose track of vital, revealing information about the saving gospel itself. Let us illustrate our point. Let's consider the primary definitions of the gospel as Jesus preached it. And the gospel, of course, is the most important and fundamental of all biblical ideas. The gospel is the thing that we as Christians must get hold of, must understand, 
and must believe in order to be saved. In Matthew chapter 13, verse 19, a critically important verse for all students of the Bible, the gospel message brought by Jesus is defined as the message about the kingdom. Or perhaps as some other translations may have it, the word of the kingdom, or the word about the kingdom. And the kingdom, of course, means the kingdom of God, or the kingdom of heaven. Those are, by the way, also synonymous terms. The kingdom of God is precisely the same in meaning as the kingdom of heaven. Now, the full title of the gospel is the gospel about the kingdom of God. But in Matthew 19, it's abbreviated to the shorter expression, the message about the kingdom. Now, in the very next verses, Matthew 13, verses 20 to 23, this message or gospel about the kingdom is abbreviated to simply the message. Now, this happens five times in the four following verses, as to say the verses following Matthew 13:19. The original phrase, the message of the kingdom, in Matthew 13:19, is shortened to simply the message. But we're expected to make the connection correctly. It would be very foolish to deny that the message of the kingdom of Matthew 13:19 is something different when it's described as the message five times in the next four verses. Clearly, the message is exactly the same as the message about the kingdom. Now, this simple piece of information has a dramatic effect on how we read the rest of the New Testament. The same gospel message appears under different labels, all of which, however, should be referred back to the basic and fuller definition of the gospel provided by Jesus himself. When these interlocking connections are disregarded, the gospel easily becomes detached from Jesus. And Jesus, of course, is the author, as God's representative, of the gospel message about the kingdom. Now, the detachment of the gospel from Jesus' own preaching is nothing less than a theological disaster, and it seems to be evident in contemporary invitations to salvation. Often, when we hear preachers inviting people to come to Christ or to accept Christ, we hear nothing about the message that Jesus invited his followers to believe as the saving gospel. And that message is called plainly in the Scriptures the gospel about the kingdom of God. Mark chapter 1, verses 14 and 15, Matthew 4:23, Matthew 9:35, Luke 4, verse 43, and many, many other passages. So here in Matthew 13:19, we find that the message that Jesus preached is the message or gospel about the kingdom of God. And that phrase is then given in a shorthand form as simply the message. Now, Jesus says this in Matthew 13:19. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one, or the devil, comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. Then he goes on to say that the one on whom seed was sown on rocky places, this is the man who hears the message and immediately receives it with joy, Yet he has no firm root in himself, but is only temporary. And when affliction or persecution arise because of the message, immediately he falls away.
And then Jesus referred to a third category of persons who hear the message. The one on whom the seed was sown among thorns, this is the man who hears the message, and the worry of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the message, and it becomes unfruitful. And then the final category of persons who hear the message, Jesus spoke of the one on whom seed was sown on the good soil. This is the man who hears the message and understands it, and who indeed bears fruit and brings forth a hundredfold, or sixtyfold, or thirtyfold. You find that in Matthew chapter 13, verses 19 to 23. Now, when Luke records the same parable, he employs exactly the same shorthand technique. In Luke 8:11, we read that the seed sown by the sower is the message of God. But in verses 12, 13, and 15, it appears as simply the message. No one, however, would argue that it was no longer the message of God. Obviously, the message is simply an abbreviation for the message of God. But we should never forget what Matthew has already taught us, that according to Jesus, the message is the message about the kingdom of God. Now, if we extend our examination of gospel synonyms over a wider span, we shall find that the law of equivalent phrases works to clarify and expand our understanding. And so Matthew's message of the kingdom, in Matthew 13:19, reappears in a later chapter in Matthew's gospel as this gospel of the kingdom, which is going to be preached in all the world. Matthew 24:14. Did you notice that the gospel of the kingdom is now called this gospel of the kingdom? That's to say, this well-known gospel of the kingdom. And it's going to be preached in the whole world before the end of the age comes. Matthew 24, verse 14. Now, this variant expression, as this gospel of the kingdom, allows us immediately to make another connection. The gospel of the kingdom that Jesus referred to in Matthew 13, verse 19, is referred to in Mark 13, verse 10, as simply the gospel. And so you see, the Christian message of salvation, the most critically important information that we must get hold of in order to be a successful Christian, may alternatively be called either the gospel of God, Mark 1, verse 14, or the gospel of the kingdom, Matthew 24, verse 14, or simply the gospel or the word, or the message. Alternatively, the message about the kingdom, or the word about the kingdom. Matthew 13, verse 19. So if Matthew and Luke both record Jesus as having been a bearer of the gospel of the kingdom, it's not surprising to find that Mark echoes the same information. In Mark 1, verses 14 and 15, he reports that Jesus came into Galilee preaching what is called God's gospel, and Jesus then says, The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Which gospel? Well, obviously, the gospel about the kingdom of God. And so we can establish beyond question the fact that Jesus, as the prototype Christian, as the founder of the Christian faith, based his whole mission and ministry on this essential saving message, what he called the gospel about the kingdom of God. Now, it's important to point out that when Jesus began to preach in Galilee, 
he did not speak about his death and resurrection. Many today, when you inquire about the content of the gospel, will tell you, the gospel is that Jesus died for my sins and rose from the dead. But that's only part of the gospel. Jesus said not a word about his death and resurrection. When he began to preach in Galilee, he simply told them that they were to believe in the gospel about the kingdom. And the kingdom of God, of course, was the heart of everything that the prophets of Israel had predicted for God's future, for the future of the world and for the future of humanity. It's important to say that any Jew listening to Jesus Christ as he opened his ministry with the appeal to believe in the gospel about the kingdom would have indeed known what the kingdom of God was. All the Hebrew prophets, those who are found in what we call the Old Testament, better called the Hebrew Bible, shared a common idea about what God was working out as his purpose with Israel and with the world. And that purpose was, of course, to restore the kingdom of God to the earth, the kingdom which had been disrupted and lost at the time of the fall of man in Genesis was going to be restored in power and glory with the advent of the Messiah. Our time is running out for today. We invite you to check our findings carefully in the Bible. Look up the verses we've been referring to in their context. Remember that Jesus was a Jew whose teaching must be understood in his own first century context. Join us again as we continue to probe the most basic questions about life and immortality as Jesus offers it to us in his good news about the kingdom of God.